Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. Thanks so much. You may have a seat. So we have our offering boxes are in the window ledges along with our announcement sheets. A couple of things that I want you to be aware of um, and all of these opportunities to serve and give. Uh, we are working with Trav's Coats for Kids. I believe that starts November 14th as people drop off their coats to Yale's cleaners. They're, they're cleaned, they're brought to us, and so we are the distribution points for that. If you're looking for an opportunity to serve, I would encourage that. Also, we partner with John 316 and doing Thanksgiving baskets all of our community during the month of November. And so our part in that is sweet potatoes and stuffing. And so as you are at the grocery store, if you remember to purchase some extra, bring those and drop those in the blue bins around our campus. And then in the offering windows and the offering ledges, you're gonna see these green and white envelopes. This is for our one time a year offering to missions. And our goal is $300,000. I'm unashamed about asking you to give to this because we give away every penny that comes in now. With this $300,000, the first $26,000 of that will go to build a compassion center in Sri Lanka. And here on the wings of the stage, on these walls, you're going to see six banners, five compassion centers, which we have built or are in the process of being built right now. And our new one in Sri Lanka is the one we'll fund this year. So I would encourage you to give generously and give sacrificially in this. So we've also had a staff anniversary uh, at the beginning of this month, and we don't acknowledge every staff anniversary that comes our way. But when the anniversary is 50 years, yeah, we're going to stop and we're going to acknowledge that. And so many of you know uh, Leo Scott, who's up here in our sound booth. It is his 50th anniversary as our church staff member. Leo does not like that at all. <laughs> so when you see him, he's kind of our utility player on staff. He's all over the place. When you see him, don't embarrass him anymore. Just put a hand on his back. And, and I do want to acknowledge here, he started in 1972, and I was two years old. Thank you very much, Leo, for serving and serving so well. So now, if you are in a relationship, you will suffer from miscommunication. That's just part of it. I mean, you take a marriage relationship, a parent-child relationship, any relationship that you're in, you will have miscommunication. Several years ago, my son was having his 18th birthday and he wanted to go parasailing for his 18th birthday. And if you know what that is, they, they string you up on a parachute from the back of a boat and you go really fast and you glide up in the air. And so he and his mom were up parasailing in tandem together and the water was really rough. Now, what I didn't know because they were going first is that turbulence translates down the line. In fact, the further out you are and the longer the line, the, the greater the turbulence will be. And so I'm down in the boat with me and my older two and looking up at my wife and my son who's turning 18 and they're up there riding looking like they're having a great time, but they are getting bumped all over the place, which is fine for a while, but then my wife starts to get an upset stomach, right? She's about to get seasick. And so their time is up, they begin kind of reeling in and I see her doing this with her arm 
And what she means is, reel me in faster because I don't know how much longer I can hold this, right? I see her doing this and knowing my wife so well, I turn to the boat driver and I go, I think she's having a great time. Can we reel her out and give her more time? Now, fortunately, the driver said, no, we have a time limit. We've got to bring her in. But my son, he was real chatty with my wife. And he said, son, I can't talk right now. I'm about to be sick. He said, end quote, mom, if you were to blow chunk in the air, this would be the best birthday gift ever. <laughs> All that to say... If you're in a relationship, you are going to experience miscommunication. So how do we pray for other people when we barely know how to communicate with people? How do we communicate about other people to God when we can barely communicate with one another? Now, here's where I want to challenge you this week. I want to encourage you, let's be a church that prays for one another. And for the last two weeks, I'm not trying to be holy. Believe me, I've given up on that a long time ago. If you're a member of this church, I have prayed for every single member of this church by name the last two weeks, and I'm going to do that again this next week. I've not done this in 22 years. I don't know why, but now, now seems to be the right time to do this. And so, specifically, if you have a request, just go on our website, look at the staff page, just send it to me directly. I'm going to step it up a little bit this week, and I'm going to share that prayer request with our prayer team that meets on Tuesday. Now, if you want this to be confidential, you need to say so, but if you don't, I'm going to pass it along to them as well. And I'll show you here in a little bit of how I've been praying for you, but this is not just about me, this is about all of us. If we are a part of a church family together, we should be intently and intentionally praying for one another. In fact, I believe this, I believe prayer is perhaps the best way we can serve one another. It's not giving money, it's not giving advice, it's not giving our ear, and all of those are good and, and are needed at the right time. But I think the most powerful thing that we could ever possibly do is pray for somebody else. In fact, if you've ever said, well, I can't do anything else, I guess I'll just pray, I'm going to ask you to repent of that attitude because there is no more powerful tool we have been given but that we can pray for other people. So I'm going to ask you to join me in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul does in Ephesians what he does in most all of his writings. He starts with theology, and then he moves to practicality. He starts with this vision about who Jesus is. In fact, my, I think the best example of this is Colossians. You know, he talks about the universal Christ. But in Ephesians, he's talking about Jesus being Lord over the entire church. So he gives this grand picture of who Jesus is. And then flowing from that, he says, okay, now here's how you live. And he gives these commands. Now... If we just try to obey the commands without knowing who Jesus is, without having a good picture of who He is, everything will fall flat. Our obedience needs to flow out of God's identity. And so we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people, all of that. It should be, I know who Jesus is, and now because of that, I want to behave a certain way. So right in the middle of this, in fact, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, he paints this grand picture of Christ. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he says, out of that, here's how you should live. And right in the middle, Paul stops to pray. And here's kind of the key idea that I want to give you this morning. Quit planning to pray and just pray. I don't know if anybody else does this but me, but I, I think of something, something crosses my mind or on my radar screen, I go, yeah, I need to pray about that. And I plan to pray, but then I never get around to it. So at that moment, 
that you start planning to pray, just stop right there and right then and pray. Now, I don't necessarily mean bow your head and close your eyes. You can be praying right now and no one else knows it. In fact, we're going to experiment with that here in just a moment. I'm going to be preaching and you're going to be praying. I think the best way to understand this is the way the Quakers would talk about praying for somebody else. They'll say, I'm holding you in the light. And so as we pray for other people, we realize that we're in the presence of God. We call to mind somebody's memory or the thought of somebody, and we just bring the two together. Quit planning to pray and just pray. So here's Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to take a running start at this passage, going back to verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let me stop here for just a moment and take these two words separately and then together. Freedom. You may approach God with freedom. In other words, there's never anything you can say to him that will damage your relationship with him. Take Job, for example. You can be angry, you can be upset, you can ask questions. That don't, don't worry about what to say. In fact, he'll see through the words to your heart. We have freedom, and we also can approach God with confidence. So, not only do we have freedom to say what we need to, but we have confidence that we will be heard. But, get this, it's not just confidence because God, God hears me because I'm Darren Spoo and I pastor a church. That doesn't matter. It's because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done in my life that I know God is listening to me. It's not based on my identity, but on his sacrifice. So now we have this freedom and confidence, but here's kind of the fun part. I love studying languages here because these two words, when they're used together, mean something differently than what they mean individually. They mean something different than they mean individually. It's called a hendiades. Okay, let me give you just a taste of what this is. So if I ask you to picture butter, okay, you might see that little pat of butter that you get in a restaurant. And then I ask you to envision a fly. You see a fly buzzing around. But then when I put those two words together and say butterfly, that means something entirely different, doesn't it? That's a compound word, and hendiades is like that. Whenever a Greek writer would say freedom and confidence, that's a nautical term. It's a term sailors would use of approaching a secure harbor boldly. In other words, they would know where the rocks are, they would know where the shoals, they know where the reef is, they know what's underneath the water, and so there's a secure harbor, I'm gonna go boldly in. That's the picture that's given here. We may go boldly into the safe harbor that is a prayer relationship with God. So now I want you to know here's how I've been praying for you the last couple of weeks and how I will continue to pray for you this next week. Now, please send me the specific request and they will be prayed for. In fact, one of the things I do with email, I make it a prayer time. This is not super religious. I just got desperate, right? How do I handle email? Whenever I receive an email from somebody, it's now a prompt to pray. And if you send me a specific request, it will be prayed for the moment that I read it, okay? So here's how I've been praying for you, and, and please send me those specific requests, but, but this is bigger overarching stuff. Notice that Paul's prayer is Trinitarian. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, I've encouraged you to worship if you feel the freedom to like this. This is just a posture that people would use in the ancient world standing before a king. 
It shows they have nothing in their hands to offer. All they have is need. (laughs) Not a bad way to physically line up our lives with, with what is spiritual reality. But there were times that Hebrews would kneel out of urgency. So this is an urgent prayer that Paul is about to give. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What in the world is he talking about here? Now, here's where Paul actually does a little bit of wordplay. He says, I go to the Father, pater, from whom every nation gets its name, patria. And that's where we get our word patriotism, okay? Basically, the idea is this. It is God who gives you your identity. Our identity is found in Him and from Him. I don't know if you remember this. Back in 1976, Ramses II, the famous, in fact, the, the best-known pharaoh from the ancient world, his mummy was on display, his body was on display in the Egyptian Museum of Antiquities, and it had a fungus growing in it that would eventually destroy it, right? Don't you hate it? when your mummy has a fungus. I'm sorry, I just don't know why I wanted to do that. I just wanted to do that. And so the people in Cairo didn't know quite what to do, but, but they said the scientist in Paris can fix this. And so they were gonna ship the mummy to Paris, but get this, French law was so specific, Ramses II needed a passport to get in. And they actually created a passport for a mummy with his name, birth and debt date, occupation, shipped him to Paris, fixed him up, sent him back, right? That paper, that passport, shows who he is. So, who are you? Who tells you what you are? We live in a world right now, most of us introduce ourselves by what we do. And sometimes our identity is too closely tied to our occupation. If we lived in South Korea, South Korea, you identify yourself by where you're from, your hometown. That becomes your marker of identity. We live in a time right now where people say, you can decide for yourself who you are. You can create whatever identity you want. Honestly, that is disconnecting from reality. It is God who gives us our identity. And so we just let Him decide who we are and who we are first and foremost, above and beyond anything else, we are to live in a relationship with Him. So I've been praying that our identity, your identity, would flow from the Father. Okay? Then it moves on to the Spirit. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. If the Father gives us our identity, the Holy Spirit gives us power. It empowers us. Excuse me. He empowers us. So hopefully you've been doing the one-minute pause this week, the 30 days to resilience. I've invited you to do this. If you've not... Would you please start it? If you feel like, hey, I'm on empty, I'm at the end. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back up through our Facebook feed. You'll find it. This is just a time every day to let God fill us up again. One of the things that we learned this week in that old C.S. Lewis quote, he talks about a car being made to run on petrol. If you put anything else into it, it will not run. And I would tweak it today. I would say you can't put gas into an electric car and you can't have a gas car and try to charge it with electricity. It needs to run on what it's meant to run on. You are meant to run on God. And so many times we try to fuel with other things, entertainment, 
addiction, a relationship, none of it will work. You are meant to be filled with power through His Spirit. And then, so what have I been praying? That our identity would be in the Father, that we would experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing that I've been praying for you, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm going to do a dangerous thing at 1145 on a Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Stay with me. May you feel the Spirit's power and not go to sleep. Just close your eyes for just a moment. And I don't want you to overthink this. Where's your favorite place in the world? Past, present, or future? Your favorite space. Maybe it's your room where you grew up. That was just to you. That's just a safe place. Maybe it's sitting in your living room in front of the fire. I have no doubt one or two of you. Your favorite place is on a chair and on the beach. That's okay too. Just go mentally. Use your imagination. Where's your favorite place to be? That right there is now the image I want you to carry of your heart. When you picture your heart from now on, I'm not talking about your physical heart. I'm talking about your spiritual heart. And Paul uses the word heart here. Just imagine your favorite place to be. Now imagine Jesus is there with you. That Jesus may dwell in your hearts. Okay, I've let you close your eyes long enough. You may open them up again. <laughs> we'll come back to that image in just a moment. But that's it. And in fact, there, here's kind of the biblical precedence for inviting Jesus into your heart. When you looked around for him a minute ago, was he even there? The time for you to invite him back in? This is what I've been praying for us this week, that our identity would be in the Father, that we would experience the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we would each and corporately experience the presence of Christ. Okay. So when I pray for you this week, again, specific prayer requests, send them on. If you want them to be confidential, you better tell me, or I'll pass them on to our prayer team. But this is overarching how I'm praying for all of us. Now, here's what I want to do. I've encouraged you. Don't plan on praying, pray. The moment that you hear of a need or think of somebody, pray right then and there. Don't, don't create the list later on. And that's exactly what Paul does. In the middle of his letter, he stops to pray. And he prays five things for the Ephesians. Now, some of this we'll repeat here in just a moment, some ground that we've already covered. That's okay. But here's what I want you to do. For the next 10, 15 minutes, I'm going to preach. You're going to pray. As I go through these five requests, I want you to realize you're in the presence of God. And right here, right now, don't plan to do this later. Do it right now. With each one of these requests, I'm praying that somebody will come to mind, not you. <laughs> Now, this is where I'm encouraging you to use the app, okay, the, the 30 Days to Resilient. Listen, it's okay to pray for yourself, and that's kind of what we're doing, because you can pray in a self-focused way without being self-centered. But right now, we're not praying for ourselves. You're praying for another person. In fact, you may choose five different people for these requests, or you may choose one person. That's okay. Here we go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is verse 16, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right now, I want you to lift somebody to the Lord, somebody who has said to you recently, I'm depressed. 
Somebody who has said to you recently, I am down. Somebody who has said to you recently, if one more bad thing happens, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Pray that they may be strengthened by the power of God's Spirit in their inner being. You lift them. Now, here's also part of this. See, you can be praying right now and not have your you know, eyes closed, head bowed. Now, if you want to, that's great, but it's holding them in the light. Here's another thing I would encourage you to do. If somebody came to mind who's discouraged and down and they need energy, you write them a note this afternoon, you put it in the mail, send them an email, whatever. I think a handwritten note is more powerful to say, God brought you to mind and here is exactly what I prayed for for you. And if I can serve in any way, I'm ready. Okay. Who is that person you need to lift to the presence of God? Here's the second request. Now, you can stay on that same person or you can go to another person. May strengthen you with power. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's go back, and, and we're not praying for you right now, but I want you to go back to that picture of your heart that you developed. You're there. Jesus is there, okay? So who else is in that space with you? Who else is in your heart, you know? My wife is there. My kids and their spouses are there in my heart. But I also look around and I go, there's a junk pile sitting in this corner over here. You know what? I have all of Jesus, but Jesus does not have all of me. The goal is that Jesus would move in and take complete occupancy. You know who else is in my heart as I look around? Sometimes my enemies are in my heart. And this is what happens. We hold on to somebody for years and years. They're in our hearts. One great way to pray forgiveness is to imagine them getting up and you permit them to walk out of the room. Now, this doesn't mean you're writing them off. It means that you say, I choose not to hold on to them. God, you deal with them right now. I, I can't anymore. I don't want them taking up room in my heart. What you're going to find out is you'll start praying the next day, and they're right back in there again. What do you do? You invite them to get up and walk out again. And over and over until finally you've given them to the Lord. This is what we need to be praying for somebody who they've made a profession of faith sometime in the past, but their life is bearing no fruit whatsoever. Maybe you know somebody. Hey, maybe it's even you, but I'm encouraging you to focus on somebody else that somebody is, has a pretty shallow or non-existent relationship with the Lord, and you need to pray over them, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. Now, here is where you are an answer to your own prayer. God wants our cooperation in this. And maybe you need to be a verbal witness. It may be you need to be living a life of one following Jesus that is compelling to somebody else. So, I'm still preaching. You're praying, right? Are you with me? Oh, man. Come on, I'm preaching. You're praying. Are you with me? Okay. It's nice of you to say so, at least. So, we're praying that people would experience the power through His Spirit, that Christ may dwell in somebody's heart by faith. Here's a third thing to pray. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, so, Paul uses a biological term and an architectural term, rooted. Okay, we think trees, established. He uses the word there for building a foundation. If you're an architect, you know, you understand a foundation is necessary for the rest of the building to be structurally sound. So, he uses, he mixes his metaphors here. Rooted and established 
in love. If you're a parent or a grandparent, right here, this is a great way to pray for your children, that they would be rooted and established in love. There's a book I, I read several years ago called The Hidden Life of Trees, and it's written by a German forester. I cannot say his name. I will not even try. But it talks about the way trees parent their saplings. This is kind of an odd way to think about trees being parents, but when a tree drops an acorn or a seed and the sapling begins to grow, if you've ever been to the forest, you know these trees, these mature trees have large canopies, beautiful crowns. But in a forest, only 3% of the light gets through to the forest floor. And that's enough for a sapling to barely survive. It just ekes out an existence. And some would say that parent is cruel because it's not letting any sunlight come through. But what's happening over the course of years, that tree is growing very slowly, but it's growing solid. Every bit of growth is like iron. It's hanging on for dear life so that when the, when the parent dies and falls over and clears a pace in the canopy, that tree shoots up, but it has the solid core to stand when the storms come. If a tree were just to grow up un, unimpeded, it would not last very long. In other words, we don't need to pray for our kids to grow up fast. We need to pray they grow up strong. And they, we would be rooted and established in love. I'm going to give an extra charge for those of you in here that you've either lost a child or you've never been able to have a child. Would you do the ultimate sacrifice of saying, I wish I were praying this for my child right now. And by the way, if you've lost a child, just bless their memory today. Say, now I'm going to turn around. Who else? Can I help grow strong? Who else can I pray that they would be rooted and established in love? So here's the fourth thing to pray. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To grasp that, that Jesus' love is wide enough to embrace the whole world. It's long enough to span from eternity to eternity. It's high enough to take us to heaven, and it's deep enough to save us from any sin, that we may know the full height, breadth, depth, and length of God's love. So I would encourage you to pray this for angry Christians. And you see them a lot, and I deal with them a lot. I see them a lot online. Everything they say is, is angry and bitter, could it be that an angry Christian is one who has not experienced or who has forgotten the love of God? And by the way, if that's you, maybe you do need to pray this one for yourself. It's so easy to stay angry at every whistle britches that crosses our path. You like that word? That word just kind of came out in the first service. And I remember my dad saying that when I grew up. Somebody was a real whistle britches. You know, there's just a, just, you know, no common sense, whatever. I thought about looking up that word between services, but nah, I think it is what I think it is. It could mean something really bad, right? It's so easy to get frustrated by every whistle britches that crosses our path. But when we realize how patient and loving God has been toward us, what flows out of us is patience and love and forgiveness for other people. If you know Christians that are perpetually angry, 
pray this, that we would know how wide and long and high and deep, and it makes all of our petty problems seem like just that, petty problems in comparison. And so here's the last one. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness, to the fullness of God. You can have as much of God as you want. So could I encourage you, pray this for your church, that we would be filled to all the fullness of God. There, we've done it right there. I hope you have not planned to pray. I hope you've prayed right here, right now. For people who are lost, people who are unloving, your children, yourself, your entire church, don't plan to pray, pray. And so you remember in April 1912, the Titanic went down. On board was a man by the name of Archibald Garvey, and he was a gentleman's gentleman. So he was helping as many people get into lifeboats as he could, he set them out, and then he realized there was no lifeboat for him, so he had resigned himself to his fate, and he was going to go down with the ship. So he was sailing back from England to his home in New York. His wife woke up, and she journaled this. She woke up at that exact moment the Titanic was sinking, and she was filled with fear and anxiety, so she began to pray. She got down by her bed and started praying right then, right there, at the very moment his head was slipping below the waves. She continued to pray. He did slip under the waves, but miraculously he surfaced next to a capsized lifeboat and he held on. Leonardo DiCaprio died, but Archibald Garvey lived. <laughs> By the way, the chick floating on the piece of wood, there was enough room for Leonardo DiCaprio to get on there with her. But no, she's like, I get the whole piece of wood, you're going to stay in the water, sucka. She just had to scooch over a little bit, you know? What husband has not felt this as their wife are hogging the bed? I'm going to better stop right there, all right? But Archibald Garvey hung on to this capsized lifeboat. His wife continued to pray. About the time he was plucked up out of the water and rescued, she had a sense of peace restored, and she went back to sleep. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be like that all the time, but I do know this. We live in a world where a lot of people right now are cold. Don't plan on praying. Pray as soon as they come to mind, as soon as they're in front of you. Hold them in the light. We live in a world right now where people feel like their head is underwater. The most powerful thing you can do is to pray. And pray this. This is a pretty good guide for us, right? Pray this over the people you love. Pray this over people you can't stand. Pray this over people that you don't even know. And what would it be like if you walked into the day, the rest of today, and all of this week, and every person you cross paths with, you just prayed for them right there. Now, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about you take their presence, you take God's presence, you put them together, you hold them in the light. And here's Paul's doxology. And this is where we get our mission for our church. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than whatever you pray for, who can do much more than you can ask or imagine, guess, or request, according to His power that is at work within us. How is His power at work? Through our actions, but even more so through our prayers. To Him be glory in Christ Jesus, and to Him be glory in this church, both now and forever. Amen?
Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. Let's not plan to pray. Let's pray. So, Father, we hold those people in the light right now who need to be strengthened. We pray for those who need to have you dwell fully in their hearts. We pray for our children and grandchildren and those we exercise influence over that we may be rooted and established in love. I pray for angry Christians in the world right now that we would grasp not everything that we need to be indignant about, but we need to grasp your love and that we may be filled, this church, all of us, to the fullness of God. Thank you that we can have as much of you as we want and we ask for more. So I pray that we would stop planning to pray and just pray. Right now, today, tomorrow, and that we would see your power at work in the world around us. This is our prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to take that same idea. Quit planning to pray and pray. Quit planning to join the church, join the church. Quit planning to say yes to Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Quit planning on being baptized, be baptized. Whatever that next step of obedience is, we have great intentions, but intentions just kind of turn into inaction over the long term. Start doing it now. Today, if you need to make a decision, well, I've, I've been planning on doing this for a while. Let's do it now. I'm going to walk across as we begin to sing. I'm going to be in our follow-up room. You're invited to step out of here right now as we worship and sing. Make your way to this worship center corridor in the follow-up room. I would invite you to join me there right now. Let's quit planning to be obedient to God, and let's just be obedient to God. We're standing. Let's worship Him together. I'll meet you across the hall here in just a moment. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.